This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 137 of the Catholic Foodie. To be gluten-free or not to be gluten-free, that is the question. Welcome, folks, to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and today we're talking about gluten. You know, that stuff that's, uh, you know, here and there and bread and pizza and all that yummy, good stuff that I love to eat. That's right, gluten. It's uh, it's kind of everywhere. <laughs> And uh, going gluten-free is all the rage today. So we're going to talk just a little bit about gluten, and uh, or being gluten-free at least. And uh, also I have a couple of gluten-free recipes for you today. We're going to talk about a shrimp and okra gumbo that is gluten-free, and also some round steak griots. And I'll tell you all about griots in just a bit right here, the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Well, right here at the outset, folks, I got to tell you, I am not a gluten-free expert. As a matter of fact, I am—I um, I don't really know a whole lot about gluten at all. <laughs> so what am I doing talking about this, right? Well, I do know this. I do know that there are lots of folks uh, out there right now who are uh, going on a gluten-free diet, and they swear by it. They absolutely swear by it. it is, it's, it's completely changed their lives. I mean, you have people who have had... Um, all kind of uh, inexplicable uh, uh, things that they've suffered with, you know, whether it's skin rashes and, and, and allergies or uh, stomach issues or I mean, whatever it may be. Uh, when when you know they've they've gone to doctors, they've taken tests, they've done all kind of stuff to try to get down to the bottom of it, and nothing ever worked. And yet, when they do one simple thing, they remove one simple thing from their diet, they remove gluten. All of a sudden all their symptoms go away, just magically. I mean, it's, it's amazing. I have friends who have, who have done this. This, you know, it, it, it's real. <laughs> I mean, my first, I guess, inclination would be to say, ah, you know, whatever, no way, you know, not possible. But I know people who have gone through this kind of a revolutionary change, metamorphosis, just by giving up gluten. And I have to tell you, this kind of strikes at the heart of some of the things that I really love. And that, that, I guess that's one of the reasons why I've, I've hesitated to jump on the gluten-free bandwagon, if you will. Uh, you know, I mean, gluten is in bread. It's in wheat. It's in, it's in pizza, which I love. It's in, uh, uh, I mean, gumbo. Think about that. You make it with, with, uh, with flour, right? You have to make a roux with flour. So there's gluten in there. Uh, it's in all these wonderful things that I just love uh, so much. And not only that, from a, from a faith standpoint, I have to ask myself, you know, if wheat is bad, right? If, if gluten is in wheat and wheat is bad and wheat flour is bad, well, then what about the Eucharist? You know, what, what, what about the host? Uh, what about Jesus? You know, Jesus, for a while, I'm going to switch tactics or, 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 or tax here for just a second. You know, uh, uh, there have been uh, animal rights groups that have... Uh, advertised that Jesus was a vegetarian. Well, that, that is simply not true. If you read the Gospels, if you read the accounts of his life, you know that he was not a vegetarian. Uh, perhaps perhaps uh, a large amount of his diet uh, was vegetarian. However, by law, he had to eat lamb, right? He had to. So we know at least that. We know at least that the law did not make room for 
someone being a vegetarian. In the old covenant, I mean, if you did not eat the lamb, <laughs> you were, well, you wouldn't have to worry about eating much else either. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, at least at least at the, the first Passover, for sure. So, uh, you know, Jesus was not gluten-free, and Jesus ate stuff. We see Jesus eating fish, you know, we see uh, of course, we're, we're look, we're, we read about the uh, the Last Supper, and he did take bread. You know, take this, all of you, and eat of it. This is my flesh. And so you think about Jesus and what he ate. And if he ate bread, he ate wheat, he ate gluten, well, then goodness gracious, it, it, it can't be that bad, right? And then on top of that, you know, we have the Eucharist today, which has to be made a certain way. It's unleavened bread. But guess what? It's made of flour. There's gluten in that. So how do we reconcile this? What does this mean? And that's that's been my trouble when it's come to something like the whole gluten-free thing. And I had a really good conversation with a friend of mine not that long ago, it, probably a couple of months ago now, um, and it kind of enlightened me a bit and kind of helped to open up my mind just a little bit to to understand better what this whole gluten-free thing could be. What is the issue with gluten? That's my question. What is the real issue. How can it be bad? That's the question. I mean, if you see Jesus eating bread in the Gospels, if you see uh, us today, you know, the, the Eucharist is, the, the hosts are made with, with wheat. They, they, have, they have gluten in them. Well, how can that be bad? And uh, this friend of mine was, he kind of explained it this way. He says, you know, we do not, first of all, we do not um, grow and harvest grain, wheat, the way we used to, right? It's industrialized. It's mass-produced. There are lots of practices in the food industry, uh, you know, where, where you're, you're, you know, whether it's farming or, or the manufacturing of food in other ways. There, there are lots of practices that are very uh, scary today, very scary, which is why I'm such a proponent of real food, I love that whole concept, right? Real food. Uh, I don't. I don't like chemicals. I don't. I don't like a bunch of artificial garbage in in what is supposed to be simply food. And so my friend approached it from that perspective. He's like, you know this. You know that the practices in agriculture are not what they were at the time of Jesus. I was like, yep, I know that. I mean, that's can't argue with that, right? Can't argue with that. But even more than that, what is done to the wheat, what is done after the harvest, when they process it, is insane. I mean, it's just really amazing what happens to our food in the processing process, for lack of a better term. Uh, Whether it's milk, you know, in a previous episode I talked about milk, um, it's just hard to imagine. I mean, the the rationale behind this, but we we take fat out of the milk, right, and then we put it back in, based on different tastes, I guess. Uh, whether it's you know no fat or low fat or two percent or or whatever. But the fact is, is that once we've taken it out, we've kind of just made it into white water. And the same thing happens with our, our grains. The way that they are processed really destroys some of the real goodness of, of what's in there. And so from that perspective, you know, that, that my friend gave me, 
Absolutely. I can totally understand now how gluten can be such a problem because it's, it's, it's an issue that we have today that they may not have had really 2,000 years ago. So again, I do not proclaim to be an expert at all. I'm just someone who loves to eat and someone who loves to cook and, and someone who has friends who have been, whose lives have been completely, completely changed. They've been, in a sense, miraculously healed simply by giving up gluten. And, uh, and that, that really disturbed me. <laughs> so that's it. I mean, you may know more about this than I do. And if you do, please do let me know. Uh, give me a call, 985-635-4974. That is the listener feedback line, 985-635-4974. I would love to hear your thoughts on gluten and a gluten-free diet. Uh, you may have a very personal story about that. I'd love to hear it. Give me a call. You can also email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of a can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Well, I have a couple of recipes for you today, and they are, yep, they are gluten-free. Uh, not something that I always really thought about, but but I do have them, and I'll tell you a little bit about why in just a moment. The first one is a gluten-free shrimp and okra gumbo. Uh, you know, I never thought about making a gluten-free gumbo. I mean, as a matter of fact, I, I never thought that I would even think about making a gluten-free <laughs> gumbo. So well, what happened? Uh, well, recently, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about the food that we eat. Uh, my wife is a, a wonderful inspiration there. She really does help me out there a lot because uh, she's a bit more health conscious than I am. Though I am all, as I said, I am all for real food. You know, real food is what God made. Uh, and in case you haven't heard, God did not make high fructose corn syrup or MSG. <laughs> Those were our own little inventions and, uh, and not good ones either. Well, uh, recently my wife came across an event that took place uh, online called uh, the Real Food Summit. And, you know, I'm going to put a link in the show notes over at CatholicFoodie.com for that. Uh, it was all online. It was uh, a bunch of different experts uh, talking about real food. They've, they all gave uh, presentations. As a matter of fact, a good friend of mine, Kelly the Kitchen Cop, she was part of that, and she gave a presentation at the Real Food Movement. And um, you, we, 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 we bought a ticket to this. We actually have all the uh, – downloaded all the, uh, the, the, the videos, the presentations after the fact. And um, you know, some of the stuff they talked about were, was this the whole gluten stuff. I need to really watch those again. You know, I just kind of breezed through it the first time. I need to learn more. But anyway – uh, about a, a year ago, you might recall, I think it was episode 106, I, I, I did an episode on real food. And specifically, it was about Jamie Oliver's food revolution. And I loved it. I loved that whole concept, the food revolution. Uh, and, and I'm also happy that episode uh, that my friend, Kelly the Kitchen Cop, joined me on that episode to give me her input on uh, Jamie Oliver's food revolution and on real food uh, in general. As a matter of fact, Kelly the Kitchen Cop promotes something called Real Food Wednesdays, and you can find that 
over at kellythekitchencop.com. And that's uh, Kitchen Cop is cop is spelled with a K in that uh, in that name. So kellythekitchencop.com. Real Food Wednesdays. I really encourage you to check that out. Uh, anyway, some of the talks from the Real Food Summit really got me thinking. And, uh, you know, I've always been against this chemical-laden stuff that, that, that we're told is food. You know, but I have a, a few questions about wheat, and, uh, and I've already mentioned this. You know, Jesus ate wheat, right? So how, how could it be bad? Well, listening to the Real Food Summit uh, it, it talks, it, it dawned on me, you know, that the wheat that Jesus ate is not the same as the wheat that we are fed, not at all. Uh, and perhaps we can thank Monsanto for that. Might want to look that one up. Google Monsanto and see see what comes up. But in this case, you know, um, I don't think that think is the right word. Uh, Monsanto is not really doing anything good. So anyway, all of this real food thinking and talking led me to try my hand at a gluten-free roux for a gumbo. You know, I published a, a recipe for shrimp and okra gumbo back in January of this year. And... Uh, and this time I wanted to try it, but make it gluten-free. I mean, summer, the summer's hot, I know. I mean, you don't think about gumbo in the summertime. But here's the trick. I mean, this is, <laughs> it gets real tricky down here. It's so hot in the summer, but guess what? It's shrimp season. So they're, they're, the shrimp are plentiful. They're cheaper than normal. And, uh, and, well, goodness gracious, I mean, how can you not make a gumbo, even though it's 90-something degrees outside? <laughs> it's kind of crazy. Uh, but anyway, what ha- what really got me fired up about this is that uh, my wife recently purchased a gluten-free flour, and uh, it's made up, I think it's got, uh, I probably have to look this up, but it's made up of um, nuts and, 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 and some other things that, uh, that are ground down into, into a flour. Now, I've, I have to tell you, I was highly, highly skeptical. Matter of fact, when I was making this gumbo, I actually had a plan B. All right, and the plan B was right there, uh, about two feet from me. <laughs> if that uh, if that roux just didn't go well, I had more oil and more like real flour ready to go in there, ready to go in the pot. I could throw out the uh, the gluten free stuff and start over again real fast. That was my plan B. But uh, you know what? It worked, and, and I was so so surprised. I mean, I was pleasantly. Surprised, uh, surprised. It was it was amazing. Uh, it, it did not behave the same way that um, uh, that real flour does. Uh, this gluten free flour did not behave the same way when making the roux. Um, it, it it took a little bit longer, uh, but I turned the heat up too. So I don't know. It probably took uh, about fifteen minutes, maybe, for that roux to turn dark enough to where I thought it was okay, acceptable. It did not turn as dark as my roux does normally when I make it with real flour, that I will say. Um, but something really strange happened, and I'll tell you about that in a minute. First, I want to tell you about the ingredients. You know, um, I butter. I, I made this, uh, this roux with butter, uh, eight ounces of butter, and I prefer, I prefer Kerrygold butter. Um, gluten-free all-purpose flour, which I think you can find it. I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sure, but I think that, uh, maybe, uh, is it Bob's Red Mill or something? They may have it. I, I'm not real sure, but I do have a link in the show notes over at catholicfoodie.com where you can find, uh, a link to some gluten-free all-purpose flour. Uh, we need four or five yellow onions chopped. 
two or three green bell peppers chopped, two or three uh, stalks of celery chopped, six to eight cloves of garlic minced, six strips of bacon. And uh, the bacon that I like to use is Applegate Farms. It's chemical-free. Uh, it, it's free-range. It's, it's good stuff. It's a little more expensive, but it's and you can taste the difference. I mean, it is phenomenally, phenomenally delicious. Love this stuff. Applegate Farms. Uh, two pounds of frozen okra cut and thawed. You can absolutely use fresh if you have it. Uh, when I've made uh, shrimp and okra gumbo recently in the last uh, few months, I did make it one time with fresh and once with, with frozen. You can certainly use fresh okra if you have it. Just uh, chop that up or slice it rather. Um, you need uh, three large homegrown tomatoes chopped, three jalapenos seeded and chopped, uh, 12 cups of uh, shrimp stock. And uh, my recipe for shrimp stock is on uh, catholicfoodie.com. There's a link in the show notes. You can find it over there. And also, also, uh, you can always substitute chicken stock if you don't have shrimp stock. And, and that, that recipe also is over on catholicfoodie.com. One cup of dry white wine, one teaspoon red pepper flakes, two teaspoons kosher salt, two teaspoons of Conrico Creole seasoning. And you can use anything here. But uh, we like Conrico. You can use Tony Sacheries if you like that, or Slap Your Mama, which is um, another kind of Creole seasoning. Then you have a, a Punch Your Daddy. You can use that one if you want to. <laughs> We're creative down here, you know? Can't help it. We're creative. Uh, two bay leaves, five pounds of medium or large shrimp, peeled and deveined. You know, if the shrimp are too big, you can also cut them into bite-sized chunks. And uh, one cup of green onions, chopped. You're going to need some extra also for individual bowls when you serve that at the end. And then a half cup of parsley chopped. And again, you'll need some extra for uh, individual bowls. And, and of course, you, you serve gumbo like this over rice. So your rice of choice. I know that my wife really likes uh, brown rice. So sometimes we do that. And I love uh, jasmine rice. So uh, we'll, we'll do that sometimes as well. All right, how do you do this? You know, we've talked gumbo before. You should know this. Uh, for the roux, you have to heat your skillet over medium-high heat. You add the butter and heat it until it's melted. Uh, you add the gluten-free uh, flour, and you whisk that to incorporate, and you continue whisking for about uh, 10 to 12 minutes. Now, this is medium-high heat, okay? So 10 to 12 minutes, and the roux is going to darken, but it will not get as dark as a standard roux made with flour. This is what I was talking about a few minutes ago. Uh, but don't worry, because the roux actually does something quite remarkable, um, and that is it, it actually gets more dark. It darkens uh, even after you add the veggies. So it's, it's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I was really, really surprised by this. Now, just with any roux, as with any roux, please be careful not to burn the roux. You don't want to do that. It stinks, and you have to start all over again. All right, now once your roux has gotten to the, 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 the darkness of, of kind of like a, a dark chocolate, a dark, deep dark chocolate, uh, then you want to add the onions and the bell pepper and the celery and the garlic, all that stuff that's already been chopped. You want to stir that well and you allow it to cook down for about 10 or 15 minutes. You want the veggies to soften and become translucent. That's the whole point. And once the veggies have softened and become translucent, you want to cover that, uh, that pot and remove it from the heat and set it aside. Now, here, here's the deal with the okra, okay? We're going <laughs> to, this is awesome. 
the okra, I'm telling you, um, this is good. Because, <laughs> you know, the whole thing, the whole point about a roux and a gumbo, the roux does two things. Uh, well, actually, it does three things. The roux, first of all, will darken the gumbo, so it gives it that dark, rich, brown color that we know uh, gumbo is all about, right? And it, it also will thicken the gumbo. Um, and then lastly, it gives, you know, if a, if a roux, when that, when that flour, and I guess the gluten-free flour as well, still generates the same kind of flavor, uh, when you cook that, uh, that, that, that flour down in oil or butter, it ends up giving you a very oh, it's beautiful, nutty flavor and a nutty smell. And um, it really does give gumbo its kind of a characteristic flavor or taste. And I, I just love that. That is just so, so good. So uh, you, you want to, you know, for the okra, though, in this, in this particular recipe, what I do is I, 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 I have to confess, we're, we're going to uh, fry down this okra, cook down this okra in bacon grease, folks, okay? So if the butter didn't scare you, then don't let the bacon grease get to you either, okay? This is a talk about flavorful. <laughs> it's incredible. And uh, you just got to get past this whole thing that you've been told all your life that that fat makes you fat because it, it it doesn't, <laughs> it just doesn't. Um, and we'll have to talk more about that later. But anyway, for the okra, this is what I do: I take a a, a high sided skillet over medium high heat, and I I add the bacon and I cook it until it's crispy. You know, I turn that over if I need to, and then I'm going to remove the bacon and set it aside. And then all the grease that's in there in that pot, I'm just going to throw that okra right on top and we're going to cook it down brown it you know for about 12 to 15 minutes stirring occasionally and uh and then after about 12 to 15 minutes we're going to add uh well actually after after about 10 minutes we're going to add the chopped tomatoes and the jalapenos um at about the 10 minute mark so they will cook down for about three to five minutes too and i tell you what i mean this is so flavorful flavorful it's incredible what you do with the bacon it's up to you you know, I think that uh, there have been times that we've just eaten it just the way it is uh, because that, that Applegate Farms bacon is so good. And there's been other times that I've just kind of crumbled it up and thrown it on top of one of the bowls of, um, or, or, you know, however many bowls I'm serving of gumbo, just put it on top. Hey, can't hurt. It's, you know, gumbo is kind of like a melting pot anyway. Everything kind of goes in it. So uh, it's up to you what you do with it. But what we were trying to do, we use the bacon just to get the bacon grease so we can cook down that okra. And okra, here's the thing about okra and a gumbo. Why is okra so important in a gumbo? Well, you know, okra, well, first of all, has a delicious flavor. But in addition to that, okra is kind of slimy, you know. And uh, as you cook it down, you're going to lose some of the slime, but you're not going to lose all of it. And what happens when you add that to the gumbo, it thickens it up and in, 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 just, a, in just a beautiful, wonderful way. It really thickens it up. And it, it it adds a flavor and a flair, especially when you've cooked that that okra down in that bacon grease. It's just, it's so good. Oh my goodness! It is slap your mama good, folks. I'm telling you, it really is. It is, <laughs> it is awesome. So uh, here's what happens: once that is done, what you do in the in a gumbo stock pot, right? In a big pot, what you're going to do is you're going to add the roux and you add the stock, and uh, you want that on medium high heat. And and once that kind of gets going, you want to add the okra. You want to stir well to incorporate all the ingredients. You add the wine, the bay leaves, the red pepper flakes, the salt, the conrico, 
um, you know, and you can please do feel free to tweak the measurements for the salt and spices to your own liking. It's all to taste. And, 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 and if you're cooking it in your kitchen, it's all to how you like it to taste. So please do tweak it as, as necessary. Uh, you want to stir well and you want to bring this to a simmer, bring the gumbo to a simmer and allow it to simmer for about 30 to 40 minutes. You want to stir it occasionally, just make sure it's not sticking, but allow it to simmer for 30, 40 minutes. Then you want to reduce the heat to medium low and continue to allow it to simmer. Just want to turn it down a little bit. And, uh, you know, you, you make your rice as you normally would according to uh, the, the, the directions. And um, when, it, when it's getting close to dinner time, you make your rice, make sure you, 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 you have it all done. And then that's when you want to add the shrimp to the gumbo. See, shrimp cook very, very quickly. So you don't want to overcook the shrimp. It's very easy to overcook the shrimp. So what I recommend doing is waiting until everything else is done. When you want your rice done, you want everything else done, and then you add your shrimp to the gumbo. And they're only going to need about five minutes to cook. I mean, it won't be long, five, maybe six or seven minutes max to cook, and you're, you're done. And so, when, you know, once the shrimp are cooked, you're ready to eat. You just serve the gumbo over rice in a bowl. Don't overdo it on the rice. If you're not used to making gumbo and you're doing this for the first time, don't overdo it on the rice. Rice is usually sort of ladled right into the, the bowl, and you don't have to have a ton of rice to the gumbo. Um, it, it, there's a happy, it's got to be a, a little happy place, right? If you over-rice it, it's just all rice and, and nothing else. So don't overdo the rice. It's, it's uh, very important. Uh, anyway, uh, you want to serve it with rice in a bowl, and you want to keep some extra Tabasco or Crystal on hand. Those are the two of our favorite hot sauces. Tabasco brand pepper sauce or crystal hot sauce. Uh, in, in case anyone wants to add uh, more hot sauce to their bowls. Also, very important to have some chopped parsley and chopped green onions available to add to individual bowls as well. And that, my friends, that is a, uh, which is very surprising to me, is a gluten-free, gluten-free shrimp and okra gumbo. If you do try this recipe out, please let me know. You can always email me again at jeff at catholicfoodie.com or you can call the voice feedback line 985-635-4974. 985-635-4974. Don't forget, if you try this at home, please go over to uh, catholicfoodie.com, look at the show notes for this episode, and, uh, and leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm-hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die, why not be good at it? Well, folks, at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that I was going to give you two recipes today, but I'm going to save the, the Griots recipe. I'm going to save that for the next episode because I can give you uh, a lot of um, explanation and, 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 and understanding about what, what's so special about griots. And I think I just want to save that for next time. So don't forget to keep your eyes out or your ears out. You're listening to your uh, iPhone or iPod. <laughs> keep your ears posted. Keep your ears out for the next episode of The Catholic Foodie. And in the meantime, you know, if you enjoy these recipes, if you enjoy uh, uh, the, 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 the culinary inspiration that I, I throw your way, please go over to catholicfoodie.com and sign up to receive 
regular doses of Catholic culinary inspiration delivered straight to your inbox. All you have to do is go over to catholicfoodie.com, put your email address in there, boom, bada bing, it's done, and you're going to start getting some good goodies in your inbox from yours truly, the Catholic Foodie. So I thank you so much for joining me today. Don't forget, leave feedback for me, uh, either by email or phone, jeff at catholicfoodie.com or 985-635-4974. I'd love to hear from you. And if you have not done so, please go over to iTunes and give me a, a rating. Five stars is always good, but you you know you can leave a comment and, and, and whatever you want to do. But if you have a moment just to, to rate the Catholic Foodie, go to iTunes where you have a second and, and do that for me. That'd be, that'd be great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And until next time, bon appétit.